I don't know what it was like when, a, when uh, the angel approached Mary and the supernatural entered into the natural world in that moment. Uh, but in the movies, it's always a scary thing whenever the supernatural enters into the natural world. Uh, the whole genre of that is we call those horror films or suspense films. I, I know, I know what you're thinking, like, only at Essential do you kick off a Christmas series with something like Stranger Things. But it was the Christmas episode, was it not, right? Okay. Uh, but it's true. That it's, it's, we, have a, we have a sense there's a spiritual re- reality. However, whenever we make movies or TV shows about that spiritual reality, it typically falls into the genre of horror film. Because it's terrifying to think whatever is out there may come in contact with whatever is here, and it would be truly terrifying. So which maybe gives some context into why it is that when the angel does show up to see Mary, what's the first thing the angel says? Yeah, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. When, when the angel shows up to the shepherds out in the field, first thing the angel say is, don't be afraid. Probably because one of the shepherds yelled out, run, right? It's just, it's, it's because that's what you think you would do. I've seen the show. I know what happens when something supernatural shows up. You run. You run for your life because you don't know what it is. Just chances are it's not going to be good. And which I know it's strange to think of a horror scene when you're thinking about an angel showing up to Mary, but she was terrified. For whatever reason, she was terrified, whether there was some creepy music that precedes the angel showing up. I just think it is whenever the supernatural intersects with the natural, it freaks you out, right? How could it not? Right? Whether it's a hand coming through the wall or whatever it may be, even if that's a good hand, right? Even if that's the, the hand of God and hand of love, I still don't want a hand coming through the wall. You with me? I, I, yeah, it's terrifying. Now, the thing is, we live in a physical world, yet, just for the fact that you're in church, you probably have some sense that there's a spiritual reality somewhere out there. And so I kind of want to go back to the beginning when the world was formed, go back to Genesis chapter 1, and begin to sort of explore uh, this idea of uh, the physical and the spiritual and how the two relate. So when you go back to Genesis and you begin to read, uh, it says, in the beginning, God. Now, are we talking about spiritual or physical world here? Spiritual, right? In the beginning, everything in our world has a beginning, and so uh, before there was a beginning, there was God. There was a spiritual reality uh, in existence in whatever the reality was. It was just a spiritual reality. In the beginning, before there was a beginning, there was God, and God created, and that word created is an ex nihilo. It's an out of nothing creation. So before there was anything, there was God, and God creates something out of nothing, and it says, in the spirit of the, of the Lord, or the spirit of God, was hovering over the waters. So now there is uh, the spiritual presence that is hovering over the physical presence that is whatever it is that has begun to be created. So that's how the whole story begins, is that you have a being that is outside of space and time, who enters in and creates space and time, and then hovers over this space and time that he creates. Uh, And then there is a spiritual action. Uh, When I say spiritual action, something that is not physical, it is not tangible. Uh, In some way, shape, or form, this spiritual being, this God, speaks Uh, and speaks something into existence and says, let there be light. And now, 
What's the source of this light? How is there light? I don't know. There's no explanation at this point for what is causing the light. Later on in one of the other days that the sun and the moon and the stars are all created. So right now there is just a light and there is darkness and it is created into uh, existence by a spiritual being, by some spiritual power. We don't know what at this point, right? So that's what we have in the story. There is a spiritual reality who is beginning to create the physical through a spiritual act of speaking. You are having the, the action or the result of the action is what we're seeing. So you have this spiritual action speaking, which is resulting in a physical product, which in this case is light. Uh, And that there was the first day. Uh, He separated light from the darkness, and that was the first day. And then verse 6, it says, and let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters that are on the land and the waters that are in the sky. And so there is a space that is created between, and so now there is sky, uh, and there is land, and that's pretty much all there was there on uh, that next day. Uh, and then on the next day after that, it says, and let the water in the sky be gathered, or the water under the sky be gathered into one place, and let dry ground appear. So now uh, the spiritual being is continuing to act into the physical world and giving it more and more shape. And so now there is dry land, and there is oceans and seas and water, and above it there is sky, and there is a light coming from some source of which we do not know. And then after that, it says, and let. Um, uh, uh, where are we? I'm missing this in here. All right, so, and let the land produce vegetation and seed-bearing plants and trees in the land and fruits with seeds according to their kinds. And it was so, and so there was vegetation all over the land. And so now we're seeing more and more of the physical reality come into being as the seeds are creating trees. And then on the next day after that, it says, and let the lights in the sky become the sun and the moon and the stars to give the earth light. They will govern the day and the night and separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning. It was the fourth day. And so now we have more of the physical recreation coming into being by the spiritual being. And so when God said, and now let the water teem with living creatures, let birds fly above the earth in the expanse of the sky. And so God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing uh, in the water which teems and moves about among it. Uh, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and he blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the waters and the seas and the birds of the air. And there was evening, there was morning, there was fifth day. And then God said, uh, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, and the livestock and the creatures moved across the ground, and the wild animals each according to their kind. And God saw all the wild animals and their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and the creatures all moved along the grounds of their kinds, and he saw that all of it was good. And so up until now, you have the spiritual being, God, which is creating. You have the spirit of the Lord, which is hovering over the expanse. You have God, which is speaking uh, in a a imperceivable or a, a non-physical voice is coming out in some way, shape, or form and creating this physical reality. And the physical reality becomes the water and the sky and then the dry land and then there are seeds who are creating trees and then there are uh, birds that are filling up the sky and fish filling up the sea and then there are animals moving along the ground. And then you get to the very end of the creation story and it says this, both at the end of chapter one and then also towards the uh, beginning of chapter two, we see this. And then God says, Let us make mankind in our image. I don't know who he's talking to there. I guess he's talking to himself or the triunity of the God perhaps there, that there is this conversation in the spiritual realm about creating another being on the face of the earth that is in some way, shape, or form a reflection of who God is or a part of God's essence. And so he says, let us make man in our image. 
uh, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the livestock and the wild animals and all the creatures that move along the ground. So this is going to be different than every other aspect of the physical creation that has been made, that this will be in some way, shape, or form like us that will be in the creation of all the physical world that has been created. So we have the spirit creating the physical, and now God is wanting to create a unique being that will and somehow be like God, but be among the physical creation. You follow me so far? Are you with me? You on the right page? All right. So then we read over in chapter two, it says, and so God form the man from the dust of the ground. He goes down to the physical world that he's created, and he forms man from the dust of the ground, and it says he breathed. Now, when you read the word breathe in the scriptures, the word for breath and wind and spirit is all the same word. So if you read this in the Hebrew, you have to make a, a decision as to whether it's talking about breath, wind, or spirit, okay? And so it says, and so God breathed into the nostrils the spirit of life into man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So this is unique, right? Everywhere so far, it's been God and the heavenlies doing the creating, hovering over the spirits of the earth. There's been this voice that is speaking things into the creation. There is an action which is uh, intangible, creating the tangible, which is that which is created. And then the spiritual beings say to one another, let us create man in our image. And then humanity is a combination where you've taken the physical creation and you've breathed the spirit into it. So there's something unique about humanity which the author is trying to show us that is very different than everything else. You have God which is spirit and you have creation which is physical, but humanity is what? Is humanity spiritual or physical? Both, yes, yes, right? So humanity is both now physical and spiritual which has profound implications as to what it means to be human. Uh, and, and it's interesting because when we, we, we move through life, it, it's like people begin to talk about the spiritual reality that is all around us, but they don't really know what exactly it is. Uh, just yesterday, I had a conversation with somebody. Uh, this happens quite often. Uh, I, I don't like telling people I'm a pastor. I just don't. It's not that I'm ashamed or embarrassed of what I do. I love what I do. It's just that when you're out at a party, it just changed the dynamics of the party instantly, right? You know, woo! And it's like everybody's enjoying the physical reality of life, and then the pastor shows up and reminds everybody there's a spiritual reality. And so everybody all of a sudden has to acknowledge that or, or talk about it in some way, shape, or form. And he's instantly like, oh. And then he begins, to, it's really kind of funny. It's almost like, as if, I don't know whether it, like, everybody's Catholic that I meet. I don't know. And maybe the, maybe the last time they were with a spiritual person, it was in confession. And so they just assume that God has hunted them down for their next confession right now. And so they immediately go into confession mode. And so, and it's this really odd dynamic. And so he begins to talk about how he acknowledges there's a spiritual reality that, you know, I've been to Israel and I sensed it there and it's, it's just, it's all over the place when you're over there and there's times when I'm out in nature and I just, I know there's something there. And it's as if he's saying, listen, I know other people might think you're a nut because you're a pastor and you live in this spiritual world, but no, no, I get it. I think there's actually something to what you people do over there, right? It's, it's, at least that's what I'm interpreting what he's saying as he's acknowledging that there is a spiritual existence and so I just looked at him, I said, well, clearly, you have a sense of the reality of a spiritual realm. Uh, I think you need to explore and figure out what exactly that is. He's like, yeah, right on, man. I do need to do that. I need to figure more out about that. I'm thinking, I don't, who could it be that might help you with that? I don't know. Maybe, maybe this spiritual being will send somebody in your life who could, you could talk with about it. He goes, yeah, you're right on. That would, yeah, I'm, I'll, be, I'll, be on the, I'll be on the lookout. All right. Okay, but humanity is the fusion of these two worlds, of the spiritual and of the physical, and 
although, I mean, I'm assuming that since you're here, you at least have, have some acknowledgement of that, whether you fully are on board with the full integration of who you are as a spiritual, physical being, or whether you at the very least acknowledge I'm a physical being and there's a spiritual aspect to life or even to myself or to my soul or whatever that may be. Maybe you're somewhere on the continuum of understanding this physical, spiritual reality. Even still, there's still a tendency, though, to practically think of things in a very sort of disintegrated, separated way. Like, there's your spiritual life, which for many of you happens for just this one hour a week when you're here, right? That's, yep, I need to get back in touch with my spiritual life, so I'm going to go to church this week. Or maybe during this season, there's some people who just, you know, one or two seasons a year, they drop in, so they have some contact with the spiritual world. We call those Christmas and Easter, Christer, uh, so you just kind of jump in there. There are some, though, that integrate a little bit more than that, and there's prayers that happen outside this building, and maybe there's worship that exists outside of this building, and maybe Bible reading, or maybe times where you spend together with other people who also are spiritually connected and in tune, and you say, this is what is happening. How do I make sense of it? And somebody says, have you considered God might be at work in the midst of this? After all, things do seem to happen for a reason, and so they move in some way, shape, or form, and they sort of hover around the God topic. But even with that, we still think in terms of there's the spiritual life, and then there's the rest of life, right? The rest of life. That's work and school and, and marriages and relationships and dating and kids and yard work and laundry and all the other things I don't want to have to think about when I come in here and I just sort of get some rest or relief from the rest of life. It also happens when people come and talk to me, and they, they reluctantly will come in for some sense of counsel, and they'll kind of look at me like, well, you don't know what it's like out there in the rest of the world. Like, preacher man, like, you're, you're in here where it's all this spiritual bubble, and you live in this world where God controls everything, and everybody in your world's a good Christian, and things probably work out great for you. But out in the real world, where I work and where I live, it's not like it is over here in your little ivory tower. I'm thinking to myself, if you only knew how much of my life is impacted by what you call the real world. Day in and day out, I, I live out there in that same real world, and you can't really separate the two, is really my point. But we think somehow we can. And, and then there's things that happen in life which undeniably, whether you consider yourself spiritual or not spiritual, thrust you into the realm where you have to deal with it. You have to deal with the reality of the physical and the spiritual dimension of humanity. Because everybody at some point will have their physical and their spiritual self separated permanently, once and for all. We call that death. And when anybody comes to face death, we begin to have to comprehend what exactly has happened in this moment. And believing that everything is just in the physical world does not suffice at a funeral. Even people who don't believe in the spiritual world come to a funeral and go, this can't be all that there is. We can't just be a physical being. We can't just be a physical existence. There has to be something else beyond there. The Bible says it this way, that God has set eternity in our hearts, yet we cannot fathom what God is doing from the beginning to end of time as we go through the different seasons of our life. And death pushes you into a season where you begin to realize there is a spiritual dimension to our physical reality. And I think the, the extent to which we deny the existence of spirituality shapes how it is that we handle and experience death. Because the more in tune you are with the reality that this is a spiritual, we are spiritual beings existing right now in a physical body, and death is simply the separation of the physical from the spiritual, and the spiritual continues on in existence, 
And what we see now is just the physical remains. It gives you some context to comprehend what you're experiencing. And everybody united is going to feel sadness over the physical realities of death. But it's only those who understand and have some sense of the spiritual realities to life that goes to a funeral and says, but this is not the end. It it is just the next evolution of existence, which began with the two of them completely intertwined to now them being separated for all eternity and spiritually is still alive and active and is with God. Because this life, after all, is about nothing more than establishing a loving relationship with our spiritual heavenly creator that we'll be able to enjoy for all eternity, not physically, but in the spiritual realm. And so it changes our perspective when we go to, to a funeral. And to be able to do this, you have to be able to firmly grasp it to the extent to which you get that and are able to live in that is to the extent to which you truly are living in a spiritual reality every day in the physical world. But the reality of it is the spiritual world is, is of such a different dimension, it's hard for us to comprehend or really understand because everything we can see, feel, and touch is in the physical reality. And every once in a while, we have this sense that we've been ushered into a spiritual moment, and we're not really sure what to make of it every time. And it's because we live in this physical reality. To, to explain this, I, I, I need two volunteers. I need maybe like a couple, like a husband-wife couple or long-term dating couple somewhere. If nobody steps forward, I will. You need to be able to be active and be able to move. All right, come on up. Yep, give him a hand. All right, come on up. I need you to stand right here under this, all right? So as you guys come up, come on, come on, all right. Real quick, introduce yourselves to the folks. Hi, I'm Lee. I'm a great believer in God, and my name is Angel. Angel, all right, we got Lee and Angel. All right, so if you will, you guys have just stepped into a flat 2D world. Like, you guys are now South Park characters, okay? You guys are, are all flat, and you guys are now in flatland. This bar right here represents the plane of your existence. So, if you were to hold hand in flatland, what would it look like? Well, now, you really can't overlap in flatland. You just kind of go like this. You're now holding hands in flatland, right? Because if you overlap, then one hand is disappearing, and be like, what happened to your hand? So, in flatland, that's holding hands in flatland. And in flatland... If you were to put on a hat, right, this would be our hat because there is no hat, but we can put a crown here on Lee, right, oh, sorry, the crown on Lee, or we can put a crown over here on Princess Angel, right, because it's just, it's just flat, and, and if they were to go out to the fair and he were to throw a ball and, and or, hit, or actually he would be throwing a circle and knock down an object, he might buy a balloon, right? I pulled these, by the way, from the uh, photo booth out front. If you haven't taken time to go get a photo, uh, by all means, do so. You just will be missing the balloon and the crown. And if while they are out, they decide they're going to get something to eat, all right, turn your head to the side and open your mouth. All right, that's how he would eat. And then eventually it would end up somewhere else. And then if you wanted a candy cane. What happens if I don't eat fast food? Well, that's why you got a candy cane. See, oh, sorry, candy cane. See, just whoop, candy cane, right? So, yep, excellent, wonderful. All right, so they're in 3D, or sorry, they're in 2D world, right? So they don't have any concept of third dimension. You, you follow me now? All right, so if this were in 
2D land, what would it be? A line, okay. Now what would it be? Circle, right? So is this a line or is this a circle? Both, neither, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's a cylinder, right? This is a cylinder. And they would say back, what's a cylinder? Is there a cylinder in 2D land? No, it's just, it's either a line or it is a circle. And so they may have this argument, like, I think it was a line. Well, I think it was a circle. And they would go back and forth, as any typical couple would do, over whether it's a line or is it a circle, right? Was it on Tuesday or was it on Wednesday? I don't know. I saw a line. Well, I saw a circle. Well, you saw it from that side, and I saw it from this side, and what I saw was a line. What you saw was a circle. Now, what if, you will, this were to pass through their existence? Well, let's do this this way. Let's hang on. If you all could just follow the plane of existence. Here, our plane of existence. Oh, oh. You got to keep in step with our plane of existence. Oh, 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 there we go. There we go. There we go. Yep, we're keeping in our plane of existence, and nobody disappears. So maybe the audience can see this a little bit better. All right, there we go. All right. Now, what if our circle were to pass through this plane of existence this way? What would it look like? What does it look like right here? All right. Let me help you out a little bit better. I'll blow. I'll blow it up a little bit. All right. We are taking our circle, right, like this, and it is passing through. What does it look like right here? No, 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 no. They don't see anything. They can't see anything out here, right? They're only seeing what is on this plane. So what does it look like right now? No, no circle. It, like maybe a little dot? Just the tip of it. Just the tip of it's right there, right? A little dot. And then as it goes in, now what do they see? Like maybe, well, first would be a line, right? And, and then two dots, right? And they're starting to talk, like, wait a minute, how did one dot become a line which became two dots? I don't know. It's still two dots, though. Oh, wait, nope. Now it's a line again. Now it's a dot again. It disappeared. What was that? What was that? And they begin to talk. Well, it, how did one dot become two dots, which, or how did one dot become a line which became two dots? I don't know. That doesn't happen. That kind of thing doesn't happen. It's hard to explain how one dot becomes a line becomes two dots. And then Angel says, well, you know, I think what it was, I think a cylinder just passed by. And he says, a cylinder? There's no such thing as a cylinder. We live in 2D land. What's a cylinder? Well, what if there was like a different dimension where things were kind of flipped on its side and passed through a different way? That would create the kind of thing that we, that's the only way I can explain it. It's the only way that a, a dot can become a line, which become two lines, which become a line, which become a dot again. And he looks at her and he says, really? You're out of your mind. There's no such thing. That kind of thing doesn't ever happen. And so they go back and forth. Now, let's go back over to here. Keep on our plane. Keep on our plane. A little more tricky because we're walking backwards. Keep on our plane of existence. All right. Now, what if I come right here and she says, I have this strange feeling that Steve is really close to me right now. <laughs> Do you sense that? And he goes, where? Where's he at? I don't see him. I don't see him either, but I think he's really close. Yeah, just like that cylinder thing again, right? All that cylinder talk, you just believe that he's close. No, I really think he is. <sighs> Wait, I felt something. Where did that come from? It was just the wind. I, I, I felt it too. It smelled funny too. 
Yes, I think that's Steve. Steve, you keep talking about Steve. I've never seen Steve. There is no such thing as Steve. And then I say, okay. Wait, can you guys scoot over just a little bit to the right? All right. Keep, keep over. And then I say, I am going to come and join you, and I will become a part of your 2D world. And she says, look, it's Steve. <laughs> I've been telling you, Steve. And he says, oh, yeah, Steve. But Steve's flat just like we are. I know, but where did he come from? I don't know, but he just kind of came here. And then Steve leaves. Where did he go? Well, he comes back in and he enters into a room right through the wall. How did he do that? I don't know. And then he left again. He just kind of disappeared up into the sky of, of, of flat land. All right, you guys can go back and sit down. Give him a round of applause. Thank you guys so much. All right. So when you read in the scriptures that his name, Jesus, shall be called Emmanuel, God with us, what is God doing in that moment? He is taking the spiritual, this spiritual being who is fully God, is entering into our physical world and such that now all that was spiritual that we could not see, we now can see and behold. The spiritual is entering into our physical. God is entering into our humanity. And there are some who will look at God and look at Jesus, look at the manger and say, that's just a person. That's just another 2D object in a 2D world. There is no spiritual dimension to what is happening. And others would say, yes, but it was a virgin birth. Yes, but it was foretold of, of, of old that this would be where it would happen and how it would happen. And then he dies and then he comes back and then he moves through walls and then he ascends into heaven. How do you explain those kind of things? Well, I don't know. I don't even know if I think any of that stuff actually happened. And there are some will say, but I believe. I believe that God became flesh. I believe he came and lived among us. And you see, when Jesus was here, and you look at the stuff that he talks about and the way that he talked and the way that he lived, there was no separation between the spiritual and the physical. It was all one and the same in a way that nobody ever had comprehended it, taught it, or lived it out ever before. And as you read through it, that's why he says things or the teachings about Jesus and what we ought to do are things like, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him, Jesus Christ. And down on Colossians 3.23 then says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though working for the Lord, not for human authorities. What he's saying here is, is there is no separation between the physical and the spiritual world. Yet, for some reason, we think that like what I do with my money is my own decision. The only time my money becomes spiritual is when I give it to God, right? A tithe, that's spiritual money. But how I earned it, how I got it, and how I spend it, and what I do with it, that's not spiritual. Are we physical or spiritual, though? Both. My relationships. Well, certainly my relationships intersect with spiritual. Maybe, maybe at a wedding where I go before God and, and I join in union, that kind of thing. So maybe there's some times where my relationship has something to do with God, but the rest of the time, my relationships are my relationships. And whether I choose to forgive or to love or to hold, uh, hold something over somebody or use bitterness towards somebody, that's not a spiritual issue. That's just a physical relationship. But are we physical or spiritual? Everything in our life is physical and spiritual. It's the merging of the two. How I spend my time. You read in Scripture things like make the most of every opportunity every day because the days are fleeting. There's evil all around you. Is what we do with our time a spiritual decision or just a physical decision? It's both. It's not just how I spend my day, it's but what did I do with this day that God created? This is the day the Lord had made. 
and every day is precious in his sight, and we only get so many of them, we don't know how many of them we are. Everything we do is a spiritual decision. You can't, you can't separate out the two. And that's why Jesus would tell these stories, and he'd say, you know, what it'll be like when you're there before God is there'll be people who are there before God, and I'll look out to them, and, I, and because I have this loving relationship with them, they'll be the kind of people who I look to and I say, you know, what I love most about your life is that when I was in need, you helped me. When, when I was young and, and I didn't have anybody caring for me, you went out and you, you bought me a gift for Christmas for my birthday, and, and you gave it to me. And you'd be like, yeah, and when you, when you needed clothes, I, I bought you some clothes. I saw on the little tag, it said, likes purple, size nine, and so that's, 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 that's what you got me. It's like, no, no, I, I, didn't, I don't remember ever getting Jesus any clothes. And he says, no, 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 you don't understand. Whenever you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. It was a spiritual act, what you did in the physical. There is no separation. That's why when Jesus asked, what's the most important commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, which is it? Is it, is it love God or is it love others? Is it the spiritual side or is it the physical side? Do I love God in the spiritual sense or do I love people in a physical sense? Is it a spiritual thing that is the most important thing or is it a physical thing? And he's like, you can't really separate out the two. I can't give you one because to do one is to do the other and to not to do one is to not to do the other. You can't, you can't love God and hate people, John would say. Read through 1 John. Like, you, can't, you can't say you love God and then hate your brother love of God is not in you. It doesn't exist. You cannot separate out the spiritual from the physical. We are both physical and spiritual at the same time. So part of the problem that we have even in the Christian community is even our language still denies this. Like we'll say things, you know, we'll talk about how we love coming to church because I just, you know, I just want to at church and I just feel God's presence when I'm there, right? You know, and I just, just feel God's presence there, and I just, that's what I love about, ch- you know, being at church. Well, you don't feel him anywhere else? No, I, 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 but I really feel God there. Every once in a while, I feel him somewhere else, but I really feel God's presence here. And we almost get this idea that God's here. Like, this is where God lives. After all, this is God's house, right? This is where he lives. He hangs out. You want to hang out with God? Go over to his house. You want to come hang out with me? Come over and hang out at my house. Well, not really, unless you're invited. But, you know, go hang out with God. He always invites everybody over whenever you want to come over. Just go hang out with God. And so people go there, and they say this, I felt God's presence. And so for some of you, that's why you come here, because you feel God's presence. Others would say, well, you know, I was just I was going through a real difficult time, and it just, you know, just, I just started praying, man. It just seemed like as if all of a sudden, man, God showed up. Like as if God was nowhere to be found, didn't even know what was going on in your life. He was like hovering somewhere. Maybe he's still hovering above the surface of the deep kind of thing like he was in Genesis 1. He's hovering out over the expanse of the world, and he has no clue what's going on in your life. And then you pray, and you call out, God, God, like you sent this like, smoke signal up to him. He's like, oh, what's going on down there? And then he shows up. Here I am to rescue him and to save the day, like Superman, Mighty Mouse coming in to save the day, right? We said, well, God showed up. I love what, what Jacob says in Genesis 28, 16. He says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. Now, he's out in the middle of the desert. Like, he's in the middle of nowhere, right? And he's terrified because he's about to go face his brother, who he has totally messed over. He has totally uh, swindled his brother out of a lot. And he's terrified. He thinks he might, you know, die the next day. So he's out there and he's crying out to God. But how could God hear him out here in the middle of nowhere? And he says, he wakes up and he says, this is the whole, you ever heard of Jacob's ladder? Angels ascending and coming down. This, that's where this whole thing happens. When he wakes up from that whole thing, he says, surely the Lord is in this place. But I was not aware of it. Now when it comes to God's presence, 
Is it that God's only in certain places at certain times? Or is he everywhere at all times, we're just not aware of it? Like, like 2D world over here in this physical plane, God is here and he's present. His breath is right there on us, but we're just not aware of it. And what ends up happening, I think, is sometimes when people come into church, they're so in tune to be looking for God and sensing God and aware of God's presence that here's where they hear it, here's where they feel it, here's where they sense it. And it's not that God's only here and he's nowhere else, it's just that this is the only place that we're actually looking for and listening for it. This is the only place we're considering something outside the 2D realm in which we live, the only place we're considering the spiritual world. And so when you come to Christmas time, and it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, for he shall be called Emmanuel, for God is with us. In our physical world, we look at that and go, well, that was great back then and back there, but what about here and now? God doesn't seem to be here and now. Or is he? Well, that's the question we're we'll going to be looking to ex- explore over the next couple weeks as we lead up to Christmas. What does it truly mean to be aware of God's presence? What does it truly mean at Christmas when God says, Emmanuel, God has come, God is with us? How does that change how we see ourselves, how we see life? And what really good is that to us anyway? That's what we're going to explore over the next two weeks. Would you join us as we close our time in prayer? Father, during this uh, season where the whole world begins to contemplate the spiritual, hear songs of a miraculous birth, singing about an Emmanuel of a God with us, about angels lighting up the night sky, leaving people in terror as the supernatural enters into our natural, as the spiritual intersects with the, with, the, with the physical. Help us become aware and more aware of your presence, of the spiritual reality and dimension to life. That we wouldn't get so, phys- so distracted by the physical aspects of the season, the rest of life, so to speak, that we might begin to integrate the two not just as a unified holiday of loving and sharing that is merged together with the understanding of your great grace and all the gifts that you've given us. But when will we we truly consider what does it mean that God is with us, that he entered in, that he dwelled among us, and that he's never left? And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.